0: Welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host, Justin Baker, and I on today's show are going to... It's sort of bittersweet, but we're going to be running through the players who would have won a trophy if the season ended today. So if we don't see any NHL season, then this is how the trophies should be handed out. Uh, It would be the weirdest end to any season ever uh, outside of the Spanish flu year where they canceled the playoffs. Uh, but that was a hundred years ago. So uh, yeah, Justin, you're uh, first off still, I'm, I'm still holding, holding strong to the fact that the league will come back in uh, sometime in July, August. That's, that's, I think a good timeline to expect. Uh, but yeah, with uh, what what are your thoughts? When do you think the league's going to come back?
1: I, I do think the summertime definitely seems the more realistic, right? I think you know, we might end up seeing a, um, a shortened season next year as a result. I know uh, the league has asked teams to basically give their home ice availability in August. So that's that's a little optimistic that I think the league is at least, you know, assuming that we can come back and play. I think the league is thinking that we'll, we'll push it and go a little bit deeper into the the summer months, which is, uh, you know, again, a very optimistic thing. And I think it'll, it'll be weird. I'm not sure if they'll have fans in the in the stands, if they'll just let players go back and play, but uh, it'll it'll be interesting the way they they schedule everything because you know you, you think during the summer, right? We have free agency, we have the trophies, the playoffs that usually go deep, and it'll be it'll be fun. I think honestly, I I think it's you know it's unfortunate, but I think it'll be it'll be exciting to to see how this all unfolds.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a strong chance that this will never happen again for the rest of our lifetime. Maybe our like, you know. People a lot younger than us, even like kids born right now, will probably never see this again. Right, so kind of just enjoy this time where we'd usually be very busy watching a lot of hockey. Just enjoy whatever it is that's out there. Enjoy your house or your apartment, and uh, (laughs) the summertime. It'll be cool to have some hockey. I don't. That's usually the usually the big downtime for it. So it'll. It'll. I agree. It'll be fun. Um, All right. Well, let's jump into some of these. Trophies, uh, of course, some of them are uh, are already determined because you know the Art Ross Trophy is whoever has the most points, which would be Leon Drysital by a mile. He's got thirteen more points than his counterpart Connor McDavid, fifteen more than Pasternak and Artemi Panarin. So I think it's safe to say we're giving Drysital the Art the Art Ross Trophy. Uh, that would be his first in his career. And then the Rocket Richard Trophy would uh, go to David Pasternak and Alexander Ovechkin, both with forty-eight. So it would be the first tie for the Rocket Richards since two thousand and one, two thousand. What is it? Two thousand two, something like that when it was a Ginla, Kovalchuk, and Rick, Rick Nash. Nash, all with yeah. forty-one goals. Uh Austin Matthews unfortunately falls one goal short at forty-seven goals. <clears throat> um all right, and with that said, all the rest of them are up to us. So I say we we'll just jump right into the Norris trophy. Talk defenseman here for a second.
1: Wow. I think I like it. All right. So defenseman. Um boy.
0: There's this only one, was- one defenseman with twenty goals. Yeah. It's Zach Werenski. Uh, and then, of course, uh, John Carlson leads the way with 75 points, Yossi with 65 points, and then Hedman with 55. Some things to consider, not necessarily all.
1: Yeah. I. You know what? I, I thought about this, and obviously John Carlson's the easy pick, right? You look at the way he came out and started the season just on fire. It seemed like he was putting up a point or two every single game. And obviously in this day and age for a defenseman, that's that's very rare. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's been a long time since we've, we've had a run of multiple defensemen with a point per game average. But, um, you know, for me, I think I gotta, I gotta give the nod to Roman Yossi and, uh, probably my biggest reason why I think the team in front of them, right. I mean, you look at the national predators, they don't have a lot of scoring up front while they got the names and the ability to score goals. They just haven't really done it. Um, and whether that's, you know, going through the coaching change, you know, John Hines' new system. I'm not really sure, you know, maybe what's keeping them from, from putting up a ton of goals as a forward group. But, you know, Yossi's still getting it done on the back end. He looks, you know, as young and as quick as ever. And he's still, you know, at 65 points in 69 games. That's just, that's pretty dang good in this day and age for a defenseman.
0: Uh, yes, yes, it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I I think the reason why I'm giving it to John Carlson is just the fact that. And not only is he putting up these impressive numbers, um, he he was scoring goals at a much higher rate earlier in the year. Uh, I mean, he had, the, he had like 12 or 13 goals in the first 20 games. Um, since then, his goal scoring has really slowed down. He has 15 goals on the year, which is still nothing to shrug at, just how quickly he scored those goals um, and then hasn't put those goals up again. It kind of shows maybe a little bit of... Uh, some some puck luck that was going his way but uh 75 points in 69 games and uh, I mean I think if the season had continued we would see a defenseman with 80 points which definitely that doesn't happen very often uh and uh, outside of like Eric Carlson Brent Burns uh to be able to put you, hang your cap on uh on a post next to those guys an 80 point season for a defenseman's fantastic um and i think that john carlson maybe has this bad rap of like uh, he i don't know he like he's he's played on such a good team he's put up points he was kind of known as the like offensive defenseman he but He's really come into his own, especially since winning the Stanley Cup and getting that new contract. I think that he's risen to a new level of defensive play as well as uh, putting up these big points. And so I I do think John Carlson gets his Norris trophy here uh, for me this year.
1: All right. Yeah, can't argue with that pick. I think uh, one of the stats that sticks out to me for Carlson that I really love looking at is game-winning goals. And uh, he's got six of them, which is most among defensemen. And for a guy like you know Warinski, who's got 20 goals, um, you know, not at the top of that list. And you look below him, uh, Roman Yosi, who I, whom I think is the the Norris favorite in my opinion, but he only has one. So maybe that's something to look at.
0: Hey, not uh, not a bad thought. Um, sometimes those sometimes those can be deceiving. You know, if you score the second goal of a five-one win, you get the game-winning goal. Right. Uh, but I I wish that there was a stat. For, I'm sure that there is, but like a more prominent stat where it says, you know, that their goal broke the tie that won the game in the third period, like third period tie breaking goals, those those would be or third period uh, tying goals like those goals are the the ones that make you go, OK, that was a clutch goal. You were tied in the third and you took the lead or you were losing in the third and you you tied up the game as opposed to yeah i mean in the first period he scored the first goal in a 6-0 win so he's got a game winning goal <laughs> and he therefore he's clutch um maybe yeah, not the same I, thing
1: i'm surprised too with all the advanced statistics we have that there's not really that kind of information out there it seems like something pretty easy to to track
0: yeah i mean i'm sure that it exists it's just it's finding the the right place to get the right stat that's what is frustrating about the nhl statistics is that there's yes the stats exist somewhere but you have to go to seven different websites to get uh to get those stats and sometimes that's just annoying um okay <laughs> let's go to your goaltending position you're our uh, expert goaltender so uh let's get your who's in your top three for uh for your goaltenders heading up for the vesna and then who ultimately takes it. You give your top three. I'll give my top three, and then we'll...
1: Okay, my my top three, uh, Tuka Rask, Connor Hollowbuck, and then, of course, Ben Bishop, who, to me, fell a little short last year, and I think, ultimately, again, this year, falls a little short. Uh, I won't reveal my winner. I know it's one of the other two, but uh, I want to hear your top three first.
0: Yeah, it's hard not to have Tuka Rask in there. Uh, ironically... Uh if do you know who's second in the league in goals against average is actually Jake Allen. <laughs> Ooh, nice. <laughs> uh, he's uh he's not he's not winning any trophies for me. Uh, uh no. My t- Gara- Tugar is my number 1. Uh I actually have Vasilevsky is my number 2. Okay. Oh, uh, and then I also have Jordan Binnington as my number 3. Ooh, okay. Going off board a little bit, but uh, I do think that the way that those teams have played, like the way that the Tampa Bay Lightning have roared back and have put themselves into a, a home ice advantage for the playoffs, at least in the first round, uh, I I don't think we can undersell what Vasilevsky has meant, even when they were struggling versus now that they're dominating. I think that like there's a direct compare a, a direct connection to how Vasilevsky plays. I think he's more important than some people believe uh, for this Tampa Bay team. He's also played a ton of games, played 52 games. Uh, I think that the only player to play more than that is Carey Price, who's played 58. So uh, that's uh, that's also impressive. As well, Jordan Binnington's the fourth most games. He's played 50 games, but 130 of them lost 13 of them. So uh, Binnington just kind of been consistent all year. I mean, he's he has been almost as good as he was last year. It just hasn't mattered because he wasn't in last place coming into first. He's just been in first place all year long.
1: All year, yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's I can't argue with that, too. Rask. I mean, if you look at goaltenders played above 40 games or more, he leads all of them in save percentage, and I think there's a good reason why he's been at the top of his game. But um, unfortunately for me, I have to give the nod to Connor Hollabuck. Um I think this is his year mostly because you look at the team in front of them right i think winnipeg has kind of struggled all year to maintain a playoff spot uh, we know what boston is they're obviously at the top of the east for a good reason they you know they have great players up front great players on the back end good systems but you know is sort of carried this team for most nights um you know this is why he has the most shutouts he's second in terms of save percentage uh, for games played above 40 and uh, for me he's he's the guy right now that's meant more to his team than I think Tuukka Rask has to his.
0: Um, That's that's possible, yes. I'm not going to say that you're wrong in that sense, uh, but I think that Tuukka Rask has just had the better season. I mean, the guy's lost eight times in regulation, (laughs) and uh, his his statistics speak for themselves, and his team in front of him, well, very good. Uh, It's not like they're – I mean, they're – out of the teams that are leading their division, they I mean, it's not like they're putting up tons of goals, but defensively, they're ridiculous. I mean, in the Eastern Conference, they're the best defensive team. Um, also, they're the best defensive team in the league. So uh, I think that a lot of that has to be credited towards Tuka Rask. It's not like we came into this year saying, the Boston Bruins have the best defense in the league. Uh, and I think the Tucker Rask has been a big reason why they have had such a, a great season. They just haven't been letting in goals. Okay. So, uh, Can't argue with that. Let's do Coach of the Year.
1: Oh, okay. This one's a good one. I was I was a little torn on this one, so I'm I'm glad we went to this third.
0: All right. Let's uh, give give two of your your top two. I'll give my top two.
1: All right. Top two for me, I have to give it to John Tortorella and Mike Sullivan from the Pittsburgh Penguins.
0: Okay. John Tortorella in Columbus. Barely scratching a playoff spot, but they are in the playoffs currently. Uh, you know I was this this was this was a hard this is always one of the ones where you're like, okay, obviously you've got the team who uh maybe that we didn't expect them to be good and they've come out of nowhere and they're really good. Uh, that, that team tends to, uh, to get a nod. Uh, I am actually leaning towards John Cooper. Okay. For the Tampa Bay lightning. I just, I mean, I just can just really appreciate the kind of turnaround that they've, they've had. They uh, not quite the St. Louis style that we saw the year before, but a team that we had a lot of expectations for. They were outside the playoff picture and they have come roaring back, uh, so I think that he's definitely one that deserves the nod, has had to figure things out. And then an old-school new school head coach, a guy who uh, I don't know if he's won one of these before, uh, but as definitely uh, he has. In 2006, 2007, he won one with the Vancouver Canucks, and that is Elaine Vignon for the Philadelphia Flyers. I don't oh, think nice. anyone expected the Philadelphia Flyers to be where they are. I, I don't think that we wrote them off for the playoffs, but the Flyers have been fantastic. And I think that you can point to the coaching in, in in terms of the way that this team has kind of changed their way of playing. They've been much better defensively. They've only lost six games at home this year in regulation, which wow. is... Uh, nothing to balk at. Uh, so, Elaine Vignon gets my, my second pick. So, who's your who's your ultimate winner?
1: Ultimate winner, I think for me, um, Mike Sullivan of the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think what he's done with that team, given the amount of injuries they've had this season, um, I mean, you look at it, they've had Evgeny Malkin out for stretches, Sidney Crosby out for stretches. You know, they've had to deal with, you know, I, I don't want to call it a controversy, but a goaltending shuffle where, you know, Tristan Jari was the starter for a while. Now it's you know, back to Murray and Uh, You know, you look at this team, they literally have only had two guys play an entire season, a full schedule. And outside of that, everybody else is sitting at 55, 60 games, and they've they've missed a big chunk of time, but yet they've still managed to sit in the top three all season long.
0: That's true. Uh, I'm going to give the nod to Mike Babcock. (laughs) Ouch. I'm going to go Elaine Vignon. Uh, I think that... His first year as, as head coach, that's, that's a year you win, the, you win this trophy is yeah. when you're in your first year because you probably won't get fired next year. If Mike Sullivan wins the coach of the year this year, he'll probably get fired next year. <laughs> <laughs> it's just how it goes. Uh, okay. Uh, I guess we'll, st- we'll stick with the executives here and we'll go GM of the year.
1: Ooh, okay. I like this. Um, boy, this one is a little tougher. Um, obviously, I think you know we can look at the the trade deadline and we can look at the off season last year, um, but I think for me, boy, I I think I, I gotta go. Boy, I'm I'm torn on this one. I think I gotta probably stick for uh, stick stick in the Philadelphia Flyers franchise here and. Give it to Chuck Fletcher, I think. I I like what he did at the deadline. He didn't go out and get too crazy. He brought in some nice depth guys like Nate Thompson. And, you know, I I think with the struggles this team has had, uh, you know, bringing in Elaine Vigneault in the offseason was just a great move in my opinion. And, um, you know, granted, I you know, Ron Hextall, uh, you know, the face of the franchise, uh, moving on. And, you know, you're basically retooling a franchise that has been, you know, I I don't want to say below par for so long. And you just, you make a couple little quick, quick moves on, you know, with the head coach and don't change out much up front and it, it paid off very, very well for this team.
0: Yeah. Um, I, you know, I was considering Kelly McCrimmon for the, the Vegas golden Knights, just the way that, uh, I, 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 think that firing their head coach, firing Gerard Gallant was a ballsy move and it's worked bringing in Pete DeBoer. It has worked somehow. Uh, this team's turned things around. Uh, I don't maybe think ultimately it's enough to win GM of the Year, but they they definitely did what they needed to do. They go and they they bring in a goaltender at the deadline in Robin Leonard. Like I, I think that that move could ultimately pay out in in big ways as well. Uh, but I like the gutsiness of a general manager that says we're, like we're struggling. We have this coach who took us to the finals, but it's not working anymore. And to, to be able to read that, he's been with the organization before he was the GM. Uh, he was just promoted. And uh, as, as George McPhee took a promotion himself. So I think he could. And then as well, uh, I think that, oh my gosh. I didn't write it down, but I had somebody else and now it's gone. <laughs> See ya. it's it's out of okay. there. Um yeah. Yep, if it comes back to me I'll let you know, but All right. a, Oh, Joe Sakic is my other one. Okay. Uh, I yeah, think can't I argue think with his, that one either. his moves in the off season, uh moving Tyson Berry, bringing in Nazem Kadri, uh just the draft picks that he's made, like I think the the temptation is to look at this exact year and go all right what did he do you know what did he do in the offseason but drafting kale mccarr was a genius clearly uh kale mccarr is going to turn out to be one of the best defensemen in the national hockey like i think there's going to be some years he's up for a norris trophy and uh joe Sakic has been maybe tested and doubted along the way but when all is said and done you look back and you go holy crap he knew he knew more than we did
1: (laughs) yeah i mean there's a reason he's got this job and you and i are doing a podcast uh i mean the guy (laughs) you look at pretty much one of the worst seasons ever in you know um post lockout history and um you know
0: history in history in
1: history in, in general right and still remains patient says okay you know what we're gonna we're gonna get through this we've got the right pieces in place has the balls to you talk about firing coaches has the balls to basically fire a franchise icon in patrick wa a couple years back and says we're gonna move on we're gonna bring in a guy from the minor leagues um from the lake erie monsters who nobody had heard of and says this is my guy this is what we're doing now and again just sticks with him through thick and thin and it's, it's paying off big time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, All right. Joe Sackick, I guess we're going Joe Sackick GM of the year. Okay. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Calder trophy rookie of the year.
1: Yeah, this one will be, this one will be interesting. Um, Obviously I think there's, there's a couple names right now. You, you talk about Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes right now. Um, I think those, those guys might be the front runners. And it's, it's funny to me because you look at before the season started, right? We we had heard about Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr. We thought those guys would contend, maybe be in the, you know, at least the top 10 in terms of rookie scoring. But we never figured these guys would be leading the charge, right?
0: Right. <laughs> two I mean, defense, defenseman two right defensemen right is dominating right now.
1: Right. And you look at the names that came in at the draft, right? We had Jack Hughes. We had uh, Capo Kako. We thought these two guys could be up there in terms of scoring with the, the opportunities they would have to to play top six minutes. You know, we thought, okay, these guys can really, you know, make a go at it. But it's it's been the defensemen running away this year.
0: Well yeah, I mean and it's it's three of the top five rookie scorers are defensemen. Quinn right. Hughes, Dale McCarr, and Adam Fox. And you also have John Marino for the Penguins, comes out of nowhere. He's he's tenth in rookie scoring. So four of the top ten rookies in scoring are defensemen. Yeah, well, not too shabby. That's pretty good. Uh, you know, it is un- it's unfortunate that uh, Ilya Makayev for the Leafs got hurt when he did. Had twenty three points in thirty nine games. Uh would right now likely be somewhere around where Kubelik is. Uh you're looking when you're look you know, compare the, the points to the games played. that uh, there's just so many good rookies coming up here. Yeah. He's got a lot of good players. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think that it's – so obviously we're going Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr. There's two of them. Who's your third guy that slides into that list? Is it Kubalik with his 30 goals in, for Chicago?
1: I'll be honest. I'm, I'm a little off the board on this one, and I'm going Mackenzie Blackwood. Uh, okay. Going You're for going the, goaltender. the goaltender, I okay. think. You look at what he's done in New Jersey, right, a team that basically traded away everything. They got rid of Taylor Hall early on in the season, um, but he still managed to put up a 9.15 save percentage, 22 wins, only 14 losses, and 47 games played, and has has basically shown that hey, I I can play in this league. When I think maybe last year, when he got just minimal time, uh, not enough to qualify as a rookie, but uh, you know was basically written off and said there's this guy's not going to be a starter. And I think maybe he's kind of proving people wrong. And uh, y- you know you can maybe throw Elvis Merliken's name in there as well came in uh, to Columbus, was kind of doubted that he could be a National Hockey League goaltender, but 31 wins, thir- or 13 wins, you know, in 31 games and a 923 save percentage, so not too shabby. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, the last time a a rookie scored this many goals in a season, to me, the reason why I'm going to give this to Kubelik, uh, 2016-17, you had Line and and Austin Matthews go off, Uh, who are both guys who are supposed to come in and and rip the league up, you know, franchise-type players, Uh, Mm -hmm. whereas Kubelik kind of this, I think, of course, a lesser-known talent in terms of, like, at the beginning of the year, we weren't like, oh, Kubelik's probably going to win Rookie of the Year. Granted, 24 years old, he's got some more seasoning. He was taken in the seventh round, 191st overall by the LA Kings in 2013. Uh, But sneaking in here, I, I think... If you score thirty goals as a rookie, you are you're having some of the like really some one of the best seasons in terms of goal scoring for uh, for a rookie all time. I mean, there's very few rookies who have scored more than thirty goals in a season. So I think I've got to give it to uh, I'm 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 putting Kublik as that third, but he's not going to win it. Uh, I man, I have a hard time not picking Kale McCarr.
1: Okay. Now, me, I I think I would probably go with Quinn Hughes, but I'm interested to hear the argument.
0: Well, so Kale McCarr, he got hurt, right? So he's played 11 less games and really has the same amount of points. So if we throw in those extra 11 games, he's probably in it. He he might have close, he might have more like 60 points. Uh, So there is that. Uh, I also like Quinn Hughes. I understand on the one hand, he doesn't have as much talent around him. He's being relied upon uh, maybe a little bit more at the same time. There's something to be said about being able to come into a finely tuned machine and do what he's doing. He has become the best defenseman on this team very quickly. He's now relied upon by a very good team to be the best defenseman on this team. And I think when you see guys like a Nathan McKinnon Rantanen, and guys that are working so well with that, that are, you know, some of the top players in the league working so well with Kale McCarr that, uh, I think what it's going to show is that through these, through the next, maybe like four or five years as this team sticks together, uh, they're only going to get better. Whereas Quinn Hughes, it's a different scenario where you know he's he's got a couple good players around him, but there still is a lot of work to be done, and so I think he's because he's relied more heavily on. There's maybe I don't know. There's less pressure I think where he's at. Whereas Kale McCarr has he has to be great because Colorado is like they should win the cup. I like, I think it's cup or bust this year. Whereas Quinn Hughes, yeah. it's like hey, if we make the playoffs, that'd be cool.
1: Yeah, I, I I don't argue with you at all when you when you take a look at in terms of pressure, right? I mean, obviously Kale McCarr, like you said, comes into a, a team that's starting to get on the up and up. They're starting to roll, and they've already got their systems in place. But I look at Quinn Hughes, in my opinion, um, <clears throat> a guy who basically came in and changed the dynamic of this team, right? Allowed this team to to be more aggressive on the power play, to be uh, you know a faster team up front, and not have to worry. I don't want to say not play defense, but you know, they, they could take more chances now because a guy like Quinn Hughes is back there and he's able to get the puck up going, you know, get the play going faster. Whereas before, you know, it basically was Edler and that was it. And, uh, now you, you have options now in the back end where now, you know, Edler's not out there. You have another guy who can really be dynamic on the back end and, uh, has really sort of, you know, changed the way this team plays. And I think, you know, Travis Green and his staff has adjusted real nicely and, you know, it doesn't hurt. J.T. Miller's come in there and has surprised a bunch of people. So, you know, like you said, this team makes the playoffs. That's great. Good for them. Um, but, you know, Cale McCarr, like you said, is coming in there to a system where, you know, they're already good. And I think, you know, Quinn Hughes taking this team and helping change the dynamics so they are good now and can compete for a playoff spot, I think, to me, gives him the slight edge.
0: Okay. Um, let's go to our final trophy. And that is the Heart Trophy we're we're just going to put the heart the mvp heart you know in the um, the what what's what's the other one called I always forget uh, it now cuz it was always called the Lester B Pearson and I can never Oh the Ted Lindsay Ted Lindsay there you go I was yes. like it's a guy in Detroit but not Gordie Howe uh, <laughs> Your ultimate mvp let's let's go your uh, your top 3 for uh, for mvp
1: Yeah top 3 for me uh, maybe a couple surprises or I shouldn't say a couple, but maybe one one surprise in there. I think I'm going to have to go with Artemi Panarin, Nathan McKinnon, and Leon Drysaitel. Okay. No Connor McDavid, surprisingly. No
0: Connor. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's tough to argue. Not like when you go. Okay, I don't think that you can have Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaitel in there at the same time. Yeah, when I you consider that Drysaitl has more points per game, granted it's point zero three more, but uh, he's <laughs> played seven more games, which those seven games uh, were huge because this team is, you know, they're they're floating on the edge, or they they were floating on the edge for a little while. They were out of they were in the playoffs. They were out of the playoffs. That things were we were worried that they were going to fall out when McDavid got hurt, and they were able to keep things together. Um, certainly. I mean, Pasternak with 48 goals leading the league in that, and he's got 95 points to boot. Uh, He's been a a key point of the Boston Bruins. I just – I think it's – I think he kind of gets lost because of who he plays with. We go, well, yeah, but he gets Brad Marchand, who is sixth in the league scoring, uh, and and then, of course, Bergeron. But um, I – I also hesitate a little bit with with uh, who is who is your third. Your third was Panarin. Panarin. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, and and that to me is the biggest unknown. Like I don't think that you can you can't win this trophy if you don't make the playoffs. It, it just all like I mean I guess you can because Connor McDavid's won it before and and missed. no no he didn't has he won this trophy and missed the playoffs.
1: Uh, I, hmm, that's a good question, actually.
0: I, I don't think that he has. I think the year that he won it, they made the playoffs. Let's see. Heart so.
1: trophy in 16-17, and,
0: uh. Yeah, and that's his only see. heart. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you, you gotta make the playoffs in order and to And they made the it.
1: playoffs, so there you go. Uh,
0: so my, right now, my hunch is saying, like, he's, like, fourth, because they're not in the playoffs. If they were to make the playoffs, I think he's he's a pretty darn great candidate for our trophy because <laughs> they pretty much make the playoffs because of him. Uh, but I think they'll probably miss the playoffs, so I'm going to leave him off. Uh, and in that case, I would go Dreisaitl, McKinnon, and that third one is, uh, is difficult to pick just because they're – And there's just so many great names, but they're, you know, like if, if, if the Buffalo Sabres were in a better position, I think we would all pick Jack Eichel. Like we had talked about Jack Eichel being somebody who that we would pick, uh, earlier in the year when we were doing this, uh, at the same time, I don't know if there's a goaltender who's been, who's been dominant enough to win this trophy. Uh, I think that when, with your argument about Connor Hellebuck, you could maybe include him. If the if the Winnipeg Jets made the playoffs, would it be because of Connor Hellebuck? Now, here's the interesting thing. I actually, I, I think I'm willing to put Hellebuck in the Hart Trophy conversation, but he doesn't win the Vesna for me. Interesting. that make Does that? Okay. Make any, does that uh, can that vibe? Like, all right. Here's the best goalies in the league. However, I don't think that they were necessarily the absolute MVP of the league because those teams with another goaltender might have been able to still make the playoffs and do just as well in the regular season. But without Connor Hellebuck playing the way that he is, the Winnipeg Jets are toast.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: I I think I'm going to, my third has got to be Connor Hellebuck as for the Hart Trophy voting. Uh, ultimately, right. ultimately, I'm going Leon Drysital. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Leon Dreisaitl <laughs> wins my heart trophy because I I don't I without him and Connor McDavid like without both those guys they don't make the playoffs. But uh, just because he's played more games, put up more points, I think it's Leon Dreisaitl's turn. It's the Messier to the Gretzky. It's it's All Messier's right. turn this time.
1: Yeah, I think you know what. I, I completely agree. I think Panarin, even though he, to me, is my number three in this category, he ultimately finishes third because I think the Rangers just, they're, you know, not in a playoff spot right now. They, I mean, ultimately, they've been fighting for a playoff spot all season long. Had they been in a position like Edmonton or Colorado where, you know, they've been, you know, they've been c- considered a playoff team, then you could say, okay, yeah, I think maybe you might be able to give Panarin, you know, a little bit of a better case. But ultimately I think to me, I give this to Nathan McKinnon and mostly because you look at the team that he plays with, right? Obviously they're expected to compete for you know, not only a playoff spot, but you know, the cup this year. Um, But he's got nearly 40 points more than the next guy behind him in terms of scoring on that team. And that's kind of the same situation as a Taylor hall, right? When he wanted to New Jersey, no one else was, was anywhere close to him in terms of production. Um, I think for Leon Dreisaitl, for his case, you look at voters, right? And I think a lot of people are going to be torn between giving it to McDavid, giving it to Dreisaitl. I don't know if we'll still have that, that Gretzky-Messier vibe going on there. I think some people are going to be loyal to McDavid and, oh, you know, he's still, you know, he's still putting up the same good numbers, yada, yada, yada. And there, there's going to be some split votes. And I think ultimately that kind of propels McKinnon to, to sneak away with this.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think, With McKinnon, like I don't think people would realize that their second highest scoring forward for the Avalanche is Andre Burakovsky, (laughs) right? With forty five points, like in terms of forwards, McKinnon almost has fifty more points than the next forward. It's crazy, and uh, like the next, the next highest scoring center is Nazem Kadri. He has. Fifty-seven more points than Nazem Kadri.
1: Yeah, I mean, granted, had a lot of these guys stayed healthy for most of the year, like Kadri and Rantanen and Landeskog, maybe we might have, you know, a different tune here. But you know, the numbers are what they are.
0: Yeah, Uh, I mean, yes, they've they've been hurt by injuries. They still score. They score a lot of goals, but it's just, I mean, McKinnon is the guy who who creates most of them. Uh, I mean, he's at this point he's created, oh gosh, you know about. Sixty or thirty uh, percent of their goals, a little more than that. So, uh, pretty pretty intense, almost forty percent actually. So, pretty Insane. crazy what he's been able to do. Uh, well, with that said, any are there any other trophies? Do we want to do the Mark Messier Leadership Trophy of the Year?
1: No, I mean we could <laughs> just, we could. <laughs> I mean we could maybe touch the Selkie, right? Best defensive. Oh forward,
0: oh yes, how could I forget about the Selkie? Yeah. <laughs> That's my fault.
1: No no no, it's fine.
0: The Selkie is the most like oh yeah, the Selkie.
1: It's the Bergeron Award right now. I mean, right? <laughs> I don't
0: think he gets it this year, though.
1: No, no, I I agree with you. Actually, I um, boy, you know what? I it he's he's put up some good numbers, right? I to me, honestly, I I kind of want to give this to Sean Couturier, in my opinion. Okay. I like what he's done. I think Philadelphia's you know played great defensive hockey. He's been just a threat defensively his whole entire career, and I think you know he's. He's starting over these last couple seasons, including this one. He's, he's managed to show his offensive side, and I think when, when you look at what the team has done, not losing at home more than just a couple times, I think it's, it's proven you know, how good he is on both sides of the ice.
0: Okay, I am going to give this trophy to Austin Matthews.
1: Really? Okay.
0: Yes, yes, really. Uh, a guy who <laughs> scored 35 even-strength goals uh, so, you know, guys that guys that score a ton of power play goals, you know, that's where your pro- the vast majority of your production is coming from. That's not a defensive part of the game. Uh, mm-hmm. When you're scoring on even strength and the majority of your points are on even strength, it means that you're doing something right in order to get that puck. Uh, and then, as well, I think being a center and uh, under, especially, I think Babcock prepared him, Well, I think he taught him how to be defensive, and then everyone stopped playing for Babcock because they hated him. Sheldon (laughs) Keefe comes in, and all the things that Babcock had taught Matthews in terms of the way to play as a good two-way center, they started to show. And uh, ever since Sheldon Keefe has taken over, now he might not win this trophy this year, but I think you will see Austin Matthews win a Selkie trophy when all is said and done.
1: that'd be great another name i'll throw out there too panarin you Uh, could certainly 71
0: (laughs) even strength points leads the league
1: um for me actually another guy to keep an eye on uh sebastian aho right Uh, um that's interesting you look at yeah 66 points in 68 games but 44 even strength 17 on the power play however he's got four shorties five shorthanded points second most in the league this is a guy that you know like all the other candidates plays 20 minutes a night and he's You know, he's been fine-tuning his defensive game. I think in a few years we might, you know, hear his name for, you know, that trophy at some point.
0: All right. Well, there's your uh, the trophies that might be, that could have been, that uh, hopefully won't be, that will change. I mean, things shouldn't change too much in the last 10 games of the year, but uh, hopefully we have a full 82 or some kind of – some kind of rounding out. We all get the same amount of games played kind of thing. Uh, we'll see what ultimately happens. But on our next show, you will uh, you will undoubtedly hear the New Jersey Devils' top 10 all-time players. So be looking for that. And uh, Justin, any last thoughts?
1: Uh, no, just, I mean, continue to, to stay safe out there. I know, you know, these, obviously, the times are what they are right now. You know, a lot of uncertainty. But... You know, we're going to bring you the shows. We're going to keep, keep bringing you the podcast. So keep listening. Tell your friends. Tell your mom. And
0: uh, Tell yeah. your mom. There's no one I'd rather <laughs> listen to this podcast than your mom. Whoever your mom. you are listening to this right now, your mom. She needs to listen. All right. You can find us on Twitter, at talk. also on Instagram. We will talk to you guys soon. Have a good one.